1: Remember what you said. You'll return that I might live in my Father's house.
2: The character of God, the nature of God, the love of of God. So this is a never-ending experience for a child of God. So anyway, and that's the reason why David could proclaim In whom will I trust? You see, when we see God for who he is, it is easy to trust him. When we know he is our rock and fortress and deliverer and shield and stronghold. Notice all of the ways that David describes his experience with the Lord.
0: Though knowledge and wisdom of God is helpful to build your faith's foundation on, experiencing God's presence and blessings is how your faith will truly begin to thrive. Today, Pastor Mike will encourage you as you take steps of faith to be keenly aware of how God is with you in each moment. You will quickly begin to realize God's faithfulness and love to you, and the more you see God's presence, the more you're able to trust Him completely. Your faith will grow and thrive in this life and into eternity. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 22 as he begins his message, The Psalmist of Israel.
2: The title of this series is The Making of a Man of God, so why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles, 2 Samuel chapter 22, so turn there with me if you would. The title is The Psalmist of Israel, and of course I'm referring to uh, David. Now first of all, let me uh, raise a couple of questions for you. Why and when was this psalm written? And chapter 22 is actually referred to as a psalm that David wrote it could actually have been included in the book of uh, Psalms, if you will. Well, I believe that this psalm was written near the end of David's life. And the reason why I've come to that conclusion is because that there is a maturity about uh, his writings here in the 22nd chapter. And, And we know that that maturity in our own experience, in our own relationship, in our own walk with the Lord, only comes through age. I mean, think about it. I I, I trust, and and, and I'm sure, uh, that through our own experiences with the Lord over a period of time has lent itself to our maturity in our Christian experience. You know, because it takes time to fully understand and comprehend the ways of God, what God is doing within our lives. So anyway, as it relates to this particular psalm here in chapter 22, there's a real maturity about uh, David's writings the many years of his experiencing God's faithfulness. It's actually his recollections upon God's goodness. And it's quite evident in the text itself. So there's a real maturity about this uh, particular Psalm of David's. So anyway, this is the reminiscence of an older man who wanted to pass on to posterity a testament to the faithfulness and reliability of God. And listen, as we go through the psalm, you will note how vividly victorial it is. And thus these word pictures lend themselves to a variety of situations. And as we go through it, you're going to see how relevant uh, David's experience was to our own experiences. Maybe not to the same degree, but nevertheless, I believe that we'll be able to identify with David's experiences. And therein lies the value of David's writings here, that we may profit from his insights. You know, one writer uh, describing this psalm, he described it in this way. And herein lies the value. And he said, and I quote, This psalm is a great summary of David's whole character and attitude through life, such convictions of the absolute sovereignty of God, of his omnipotent power to deliver, of the necessity for obedience to his law, and of the assurance that in the case of such obedience, he ever acts for his people, all of which constituted the underlying strength of David's character. So, if we would like to follow in David's footsteps and also have some of David's character within our own lives, we'll take this psalm too hard. Now, first of all, let me begin by sharing a brief outline with you of this chapter. You might want to jot this down. So chapter 22, the Psalm of David, is actually broken up into three sections. The first section is found in verses 1 through 4, and it has to do with the praiseworthiness of God. The second section is found in verses 5 through 20, and it has to do with the dependability of God. And then the final section is found in verses 21 through 51, and it has to do with the righteousness of God. Okay, so with that said, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's begin in verse 1. Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song or psalm on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul." Now, this is known as a summary statement covering the entire psalm. We are informed that the contents is based on David's personal experiences. And also, I want you to take note of, notice here in verse one, the singular use of the word day here. This does not mean in one day, but rather refers to the period of adversity. That is all of what David experienced over a lifetime. So at the time when these events occurred, but now, as I mentioned before, David is an old man and the severe trials are over. His many wars, his persecution by the hand of Saul and all of those hardships and fears, the Lord had sustained David. David. And so anyway, David bursts in to praise. And notice there in verses 2 and 3, we read, And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior and my you save me from violence. Now, let me break down these two verses of Scripture uh, for you. First of all, I want for us to consider, David refers to God delivering him. Well, and I want you to think about it. Over the last couple of months, as we've been studying not only 2 Samuel, but also 1 Samuel, God delivered David from all of his enemies. For example, God delivered him from Goliath, the champion of the Philistines. He delivered him from Saul. Remember his unsuccessful attempts to kill uh, David. He delivered David from backsliding. He delivered David from all of Israel's enemies. He delivered David from his son Absalom, who was seeking to unseat his father from being king over Israel. And then lastly, he delivered David from his sinful passions. So truly, God delivered David. And by the way, I would also mention, and I think it's important, what God did for David, He will also do for you and for me. Notice also there in verse 3, the phrase, In whom will I trust? Listen, when we see God, who He is, and this is very important, and and again, I I can't overemphasize uh, the importance of experiencing the Lord in personal ways, and also through the study of the Word of God, And so when we see God for who he is, and this is a part of a process, over a lifetime, remember, okay, God is not through with us, we continue to experience God on a regular basis. In fact, you know what, even that process will continue when we enter into heaven. We'll experience one revelation on top of another for all of eternity as it relates to who God is, the character of God, the nature of God, The love of of God. So this is a never-ending experience for a child of God. So anyway, and that's the reason why David could proclaim, in whom will I trust? You see, when we see God for who he is, it is easy to trust him. When we know he is our rock and fortress and deliverer and shield and stronghold. Notice all of the ways that David describes his experience with the Lord. Also his savior. And as we experience God in these various ways, it is natural to then trust him completely. And yes, I know faith does not completely depend upon knowledge, but the right knowledge of God gives great strength to faith, doesn't it? You know, for the next go around, right? Because we have, as I often refer to as that track record, Because we know that what God did for us in the past, he will continue to do for us in the present as well as in the uh, future. Well, anyway, he is expressing here, David, his gratitude for the many mercies. And he's proclaiming God is an unfailing source of protection, deliverance, success. And he knew that all he had achieved was due to the fact that God's hand was upon him. But then notice he goes on and he praises God for answering his prayers. Let's pick up now in verse four. He says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Now I want for us to consider that phrase. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. You see, it is well to pray to God as to one who deserves to be praised, for as to one who deserves to be praised, for then we plead in a happy and confident manner. If I feel that I can and do bless the Lord for all of his past goodness, that track record that I've just referred to, I can boldly ask great things of him for the here and for the now. Can we say with David, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So there in verse 4. So also I want to uh, draw your attention to there in verse 4. Notice the tenses of the verbs here that show that this was an habitual experience to receive answers to his prayers. He says, I will call upon the Lord. And if you break that down, In the original uh, Hebrew, it means he continually called upon the Lord. Not once or occasionally, but continually. And so the tenses of the verbs here, and also how that God responded continually uh, to those cries of David as he prayed unto the Lord. So the tenses of the verbs here show that this was an habitual experience to receive answers to his prayers. Now this also points to God's continual readiness to meet his servants' needs. So when we take that into account, I I think that as Will was encouraging us to pray, to pray for the body, to pray for the things that we want to accomplish, to pray for our radio broadcast, everything that we put our hand to. Listen, God is more than ready to respond to the prayers of his people, but we have to pray. He is worthy to be praised. Now, why is God worthy to be praised? Well, simply because he's not harsh. He's not austere. He's not unapproachable. Aren't we glad about that, that we can approach God? The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that we can come boldly before the throne of grace in time of need. We don't have to sneak up, you know, to the throne of God. Oh, God, excuse me. I don't mean to bother you here with my problems. Oh, God is more than approachable. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is kind. And therefore, he is worthy to be praised. You see, David felt secure in his relationship with the Lord. I hope that you feel likewise, that you are secure in your relationship with God, that in times of need, you can come boldly before the throne of grace. You see, God was the object of David's trust. So anyway, this first section of this psalm, the praiseworthiness of God. Now, let's get into the second section in verses 5 through 20. That's the next division. David explains how he was able to overcome the ever-changing difficulties of his life's experience. And listen, I don't have to tell you, life can be hard at times. And just because we're children of God, it doesn't mean that we're exempt from trials and trouble. There are the many ups and downs. Uh, Often we're broadsided by problems. They come out of nowhere, right? And, oh my goodness, and unfortunately that's a part of our life's experience. Well, listen, let's read now verses 5 through uh, 7, and we discover how uh, David was able to overcome the ever-changing difficulties of in his life's experience. Verse 5, when the waves of death surrounded me. Have you ever felt like you found yourself in that same position? When the waves of death surround me. You're going down for the third time, folks, right? The floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress... I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry entered his ears. So David's troubles, I want you to take note of, and we're not talking about small irritations here. They had been life-threatening for David. And as you know, over the last couple of months, we've seen all of the problems and all of the difficulties and all of the struggles all of what David had to deal with in his own personal experience. They had been life-threatening. Notice the reference to Sheol. The Sheol is the place of the dead. And it seemed on more than one occasion to have had him, that is David, in its grasp. So in fear for his life, he called out to God. And notice, God heard him. His words entered into God's temple. That is God's dwelling place. And I want you to know as well, when we pray unto the Lord, it actually enters into God's temple. That is his dwelling place. They come up before God and God will hear those prayers. He will respond to his people's prayer. His cry for help came into God's ears and the Almighty was moved to action by David's petition. Listen, God could not hear the cries of the distress of his son David without acting. And as I've already mentioned, what God did for David, he will also do for you. God is moved. When we cry out in distress over whatever we are going through, God moves, God acts, God will, you can be sure that he'll respond. And then we have God's intervention on his servant's behalf. Let's pick up now in verses 8 through 16. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because he was angry. He was angry concerning what his son, David, his child, was having to deal with, what, ha- what he was having to go through. God was angry and smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Colds were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down with darkness under his feet. He rode upon a cherub and flew, and he was seen upon the wings of the wind. You know what's, what is most impressive about this description here is the magnificent way David describes God rising from his throne in heaven to respond to his servants' cry, parting the clouds, and descending to fight the king David's battles, accompanied by earthquakes, thunder, storms, and lightning. Notice David also refers to God riding upon a cherub and flew. So David pictured the Lord coming to meet his need, coming with glory and speed. He came so fast to David that it seemed that God traveled upon the wings of the wind. And once again, let me remind you, what God did for David, he will also do for you. Speedily, God will respond. Well, let's pick up in verse 12. He made darkness canopies around him, dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, coals of fire were kindled. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning bolts, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. And this sort of parallels the parting of the Red Sea. For God's people through Moses, when they were making the exodus out of Egypt, the foundations of the world were uncovered at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his uh, nostrils. So all the forces of God's almighty power, every agency of nature were mustered in order to deliver his anointed from death. God responding to the prayers of the one who is in distress. Listen, he will shake the earth to meet your needs. And then in verses 17 through 20, David shifts his focus upon his experience of God's interposition That is God's sovereign working in the lives of his people. That is his involvement in the trials that we experience. Let's pick up now in verse 17, verses 17 through 20. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. He delighted in me. So David shifts his focus upon his experience of God's sovereign work within his life. His involvement in the trials that we experience. Notice the way that he describes it. Drawing me out of the waters. Have you ever felt like, again, you're drowning and you're going down for the third time? Well, God will draw you out of those waters that threaten to engulf us. He delivered me from my enemies. Notice uh, David testifies to the fact that we're stronger than himself. Have you ever felt like you were up against an enemy that was stronger than yourself? You don't know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You feel as if you're all alone in your particular situation. You're going up uh, against something that's greater than yourself to be able to contend with. Disaster strengthened, threatened all. All seemed lost for David, but David could lean upon God for rest and support. You see, David had his trust firmly fixed upon the Lord. And so when we find ourselves in a similar situation, that's where you need to place your trust, firmly in the Lord.
1: In my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where I long to be.
0: Oh, my We're so glad you joined us today for in my father's house. Pastor Mike has been taking you through the book of second Samuel, an Old Testament book that continues the story of David. David was a great king, loved by many and forever etched in history as a man after God's heart. Yet he wasn't perfect. God used David in powerful ways, even after he had failed. And God can use you, too. Are you still seeking the Lord? Are you repentant when you fall? God sees your heart, and he's merciful. And he has great plans for you. Continue to trust in His goodness and faithfulness and let Him use you to bring glory to His name and share the good news of the hope that's found in Christ. If you'd like to explore more messages from Pastor Mike, visit HarvestNYC.org or find the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified every time we post a new edition of the show. Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio. If you're in Midtown Manhattan, we'd love for you to come visit us this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship. There's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Find out more on our website, HarvestNYC.org. Make plans to join us on Thursdays, too. We're meeting virtually to jump back into the Word midweek and worship the Lord. That starts at 7.30 p.m. online at HarvestNYC.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for more right here on In My Father's House.